Don't set out to grow the church. Set out to preach the gospel. Welcome to the Pastor's Voice. I am Rule Sample, and I am passionate about Christian worldview. I talk to pastors and Christian leaders to encourage all believers in Jesus to live out a life of faith and discipleship. Today I talk with John Flug, pastor of Windermere Presbyterian Church in Wilmington, North Carolina. John and I talk about a wide range of issues, all revolving around a deep need of Christians to focus our eyes on Jesus in all areas of our lives. John Flug, welcome to the Pastor's Voice. Thank you. It's great to be here. John is a pastor at Windermere Presbyterian Church here in Wilmington, North Carolina. I have been getting to know him as I am transitioning churches from Tennessee down here to North Carolina, and I have seen John preach. I've heard John preach and seen him go about running a church, and I am very honored to have you on board today. Thank you. As I said, it's great to be here, and I always love to talk about ministry and what the Lord's doing. Well, tell us about your ministry at Windermere, uh, both the church and your own calling as a pastor. Yeah. Um, well, I, I I feel like I've found kind of a sweet spot here with Windermere. Um, when I first got into ministry, I, I served a small rural East Texas church, and I kind of went in with the idea that, uh, you know, I wanted to grow a big church and do all the things that you, you think Western Christian churches ought to do. Um, and you know, we had some moderate success down there, but you just, you get to a point where you almost get burned out doing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was at a point in my life where the Lord was really both convicting me and reviving me in many ways. And a lot of that had to do to just get, getting back to the word. So, um, what about seven years ago, we made the move from Texas to, to Wilmington, North Carolina. And, uh, I, I had pretty much determined on coming to Wilmington that I wanted to do just one thing. And that's, uh, that's preach the Bible. Um, <laughs> I had a, a mentor in seminary and that, yeah, his words are coming back to me. Now he said that, that if you're going to, if you're going to build a church, you've got to keep doing what you did to get them there. And so, <laughs> and it, so whatever that is, and uh, it can get exhausting, I think to, you know, Say well, we're going to have the best children's program and the the greatest outreach of of this and that, and do all these different ministries. And <clears throat> maybe maybe there are people in the church who are talented to do those things. But for me, I just I knew it was going to be pretty simple. It's, it's uh, preaching the word, expositional preaching uh, is what I'm going to do. And if people come for that, well, great, they'll stay because I'll keep doing it. <laughs> but um, so that's that's kind of where we're at right now. I think the church appreciates that it's been growing. Um, but, I guess because people like that, they keep coming. Um, and so it's it's just been a really, like I said, kind of a sweet spot in ministry for me right now, being able to say, this is what the Lord's called me to do. I'm doing it and it works out great. John, I have read the scriptures both in, in English and in, in Greek, and nowhere do I hear Peter proclaiming that we're going to build the Church of Jerusalem through the children's program. <laughs> That's right. We're going, we're, we're going, the, the, the church in Jerusalem and all throughout Asia and around the, the, uh, the Mediterranean Sea was built simply by the preaching of the word of God, Jesus Christ and him crucified. You're right. And, and it's not to discount the other thing. We have talented people with those kinds of callings in the church, but um, just to have that focus is uh, uh, just to preach the, preach the word of God. It's um, it's a weight off the shoulders. I mean, I, 
I see pastors getting burned out. My fellow colleagues trying to do all these other things that I at one point was trying to do too. And um, it's just so, so much more simple to say, I'm, I'm just going to preach. Now tell you, you are from Texas. Uh, you are the son of a Methodist minister. How did you, uh, how did you go? How did you find your way into becoming a minister yourself? <laughs> um, well, that's a, a great question. Uh, yes, I was the son, grew up a United Methodist. My dad was a Methodist minister. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's so much true now, but it was back then that the Methodist ministers moved around quite a bit. The, the bishops would move them pretty regularly. I think the joke was about every three years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that was true for our family. And the bishop wanted, when I was in high school, my brother and I both were in high school. The bishop wanted to move my dad again after we'd already moved, I don't know, maybe five times before. Wow. And um, my dad just finally said, no, I'm not going to move my family again. So he stepped away from the pulpit. And uh, we ended up joining the Presbyterian church in town. (laughs) So just sort of the providence of God that brought me to be a a Presbyterian. Um, Did your father, the Methodist, ever acknowledge that this was preordained that he become a a Presbyterian? I've told him that, but he just doesn't see it that way. Yeah. Keep going. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Uh, What was the second part of the question that you asked? I'd forgotten. Well, how did you discover your own calling as a pastor? Yeah. Um, Well, actually, I initially wanted to um, get into law and politics. I was a political science major and um, and I went to school at, at Texas Lutheran University and I joined a fraternity there. And we got into all kinds of trouble in the fraternity. We were drinking way too much, doing things we shouldn't have done. And uh, I actually got my second year in school. I got arrested for hazing. Wow. Yeah. And I was suspended from school for a semester. And that was a time to go back and do a lot of talking to God and uh, kind of reevaluating what life was and where it's going. And I, I determined at that point that that God was calling me not to pursue sort of my own selfish ambition and in law and seminary, but I mean, in law and um, politics, but rather to change course to seminary to serve in the church. Interesting. So you actually do identify more with Peter than anybody else, because I, I, I think Peter would have made a great frat brother. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> <laughs> well, every Peter Sunday. You're doing keg stands, huh? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Why do you think they're out there doing fishing every night? So. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Uh, every Sunday at the beginning of worship, you very clearly and boldly proclaim that Windermere Presbyterian Church is all about planting churches that plant churches. That's right. What does that mean? Um, well, we a, a couple of years ago, this was pre-pandemic, um, we were really starting to grow pretty quickly, and um, I wanted the elders and the rest of the congregation as well, to start to think about what do we do when we get to a point where, um, if we get to a point where we need more space, are we going to just build a bigger building and hire more staff and do the thing that all the rest of the Western churches are doing? Um, or, or would it be more faithful to say, let's actually take any growth that we can get that, that's, that's more than we, ha- we can accommodate in this building and intentionally split to plant a church? Um, and I think that the rest of the congregation kind of caught the vision of that, that they liked Windermere being sort of a um, a neighborhood, um, a smaller neighborhood church. They didn't want to be a mega church. 
Um, and so we we de- determined it's good and faithful for us to be this, and then also to be obedient to the Great Commission to make disciples and plant churches. Um, so th- this is the the new mission statement we took on. Um, the, the pandemic certainly has given us challenges to continue to see that, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, hopefully, by God's grace, we'll begin to uh, really catch that vision once again as as things start to open back up. That's kind of counter to what we see a lot of churches do, and you, you had that same discussion. Yeah, we, we see that the modern church really has dropped the idea. Except there are exceptions of planting churches; they just want to grow and centralize. What's right. going on? Uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I can't speak for other churches, but um, if I were if I were thinking about at other points in my life why I would want to grow a big church and you know have multiple campuses or one giant campus with satellites, it would be if I'm honest, it would be um, probably a lot of pride, uh, sort of my mm-hmm. own, my own personality. I'd, um, but to um, to approach it with more humility and having been humbled at various times in my life, uh, it doesn't need to be about me. It needs to be about what's what's best for advancing the kingdom. And I, you know, I, th- I think this may be the the better way to do it, um, especially if we think about church as um, an interaction of people together, not just the program on Sunday morning. Um because that that can that that program obviously it can be exported. You can watch YouTube videos of preachers all day long, um, but you can't get that community except for in a church. And so I, I think creating more of those communities rather than bigger ones is probably the better path. You know, I just did a podcast with uh, two millennials uh, who are in ministry in Memphis, Tennessee, and one of the things I asked them is, "What do millennials want?" Because I constantly think that we miss the boat on what millennials want. And their answer is community. Yeah. They want genuine, interactive community that can be found in a small church. That's right. And and I think I think some people will argue, they do argue that in larger churches you have that too, but I'm not sure it comes as naturally as it does to small churches. Um, I think it's easier to get lost in a big church. Oh, it's very easy to be lost or to be uh, anonymous. I, I remember the first day that I walked into Windermere is that every eye clicked over to me because <laughs> who's the new guy? <laughs> and yeah. is, is he sitting in my pew? <laughs> That's right. Hopefully nobody kicked you out of your out of the pew, huh? Nobody kicked me out of the pew. As a matter of fact, uh people people turned around and 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 welcomed me and and it was wonderful. Just a bunch of bubbling Presbyterians. And and yes. and I don't know if that I don't know if bubbling Presbyterian is scriptural. <laughs> uh <laughs> they're not stoic enough, right? They're not stoic enough. No, they're good people at your church. Uh Speaking of the church, not just Windermere, but uh, both for Presbyterians and for the the body of Christ in general, what do you think of the issues that are that are facing the church? We're just getting through the pandemic, and and churches came through the pandemic as a measure of how strong they were beforehand. Yeah, uh, but uh, what are that, and what are some other issues that you think uh, Christians should be on the uh, on the lookout for? 
Yeah, I, I do think the pandemic has created some big sort of questions for the church. Or what does it mean to be church? Can you be church remotely? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know how other people feel, but I, I feel like that it, it just doesn't work remotely. I think you got to, it's got to be, um, you know, arms around necks and shaking hands and looking each other in the eye. I, 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 I think there's something essential about that. Yeah. Hebrews even tells us not to neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing um, that. We need that encouragement as Christians that uh, of seeing other people being, I mean, Christ came in the person, in the flesh to be with us, right? Yes. He didn't send a, 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 a Skype video or something. Um, and how can you, how can you even participate in the sacraments remotely? That's a great question. Uh, there, there have been some discussions around that, but none of them seem very compelling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I think you've got to have be there in person. So definitely the pandemic has raised some huge questions. Um, you know, Rule, I think that something really interesting that's developing in our country right now, it looks like the Supreme Court may partially or completely overturn Roe v. Wade. Hmm. And um, then it's going to then the discussion is opened up again, once again, for states as to what's the what's the the right and faithful response for for, you know, abortion in this country or um, or the prohibition of it. Uh, the church, I hope, has a voice in that. I, I pray that the, that our leaders would listen to the voice of faithful Christians on that. Um, and, I, and the church needs to be needs to step up to to respond to that. I I would often get invited to speak at um, pro life events, and I would only be invited once because I would say, "All right, you're pro life." great. What are you going to do about it? If a teenager in your church says, I'm pregnant, are you going to surround her with your love? Are you going to adopt that baby? Are you going to pay her finances? Yeah. And most of the time people were just, no, we want to go out and march where the church needs to step up and do something. Yeah. Talk is cheap. It's, it's really putting the action to it. Um, you, you know, that's part my, my wife and I, we adopted two of our, two of our three children um, are adopted out of the foster system and and part of that is because we don't want to be just people who talk about life. We want to be um, whole life people, not just pro-life, but whole life. Um, and, and that's advocating for life in the womb all the way to um, to right before someone dies. You know, the entire scope of life is something that the church ought to be advocating for. I talk about worldview on this podcast a lot. Because uh, I I don't think our members are getting trained in worldview, because I don't think our pastors are trained in worldview. How can we change that? Well, and this was going to be the other aspect of you're saying what what issues of the church is the church facing? Um, it's a, the culture in general, but even the church is facing an issue of biblical illiteracy. <laughs> Like never before. I mean, how can we expect to have a biblical worldview if we don't know our Bibles? Um, and uh, it, it's, it's sad but true. I mean, I'll, I'll preach through some of the most basic things and have people come up and say, I've never heard that pa- that passage in the Bible before. Uh, people who have been in the churches, so I'm assuming, I had assumed their whole life. Um, and so I, I think and may, that may be the biggest one. I, everything else may sort of fall in place if we can get biblical literacy right. And get people to really open up their Bibles and spend time in it and spend time with the the Lord and what his word is. The American Bible Society uh, last July released their annual study on 
biblical literacy in America. And for the first time in 10 years, biblical literacy actually dropped by uh, close to 5%. It was at 13% of Americans read their Bibles on a daily basis, and it's now down to 9% on a daily basis. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's just not sustainable for the church, you know, if, <laughs> or, or else here's what happens. And, it, and we're seeing it. It's the, it's the combination of biblical illiteracy and the, the big church model with the, uh, the, the entertainment, all the programs we, the church just basically becomes the YMCA, you know, or, or, or a Ted talk on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, it, and it just doesn't resemble anything that the Bible calls it to be. Where in reality for Christians, and it's a, it's an extension of uh, the old Testament, the Hebrew thought that there is nothing that is outside of this, of the sacred. Everything is secular. I'm sorry. Everything is sacred. Uh, And we think that there should be sacred and secular for Christians. The church and our faith should be at the center of everything that we do. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you in conjunction with uh, port city, Community Church, which is just down the road, they're they're not a they're not a Presbyterian church. They are a non-denominational church. Uh, are launching a worldview training course. Is that? Do you think that's part of what we need to do? Is to to actively start teaching people worldview? Um, yeah, part of it. Uh, just a, a little bit of a correction. The the course is actually put on by a group called uh, I believe it's Perspectives on the World Christian Movement. Just Perspectives for short. It's a it's a, a national, at least national, probably in, it's international, I believe, organization that puts on these classes in various cities um, around the world. Um, and Port City just happens to be hosting it. And I just happen to be a big advocate of it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. But yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's an incredible training in the Christian worldview about the to, about understanding the way that God sees um, missions um, and it is perspective changing. It's huge. And I, I would, I don't know about other courses that may or may not exist, but that one in particular, I would say is, is tremendous. I can't encourage Christians enough to go and get that training because it does shape the way that you look at the world. It, and if you're, if you're, it helps you see the way that God sees the world. And if you're listening here in Wilmington, North Carolina, you can actually still sign up for that. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, uh, before I get to your message for the body of, of Christ today, you had brought up briefly, and you and I talked about this before, that you have two adopted children. Yes. Uh, scripture talks all about adoption. And how, how has that physical adoption that you've had, how has that, uh, how has that affected your view of the adoption of us as, as, as children of God? Uh, well, it's just really kind of... Uh... I, I don't know that it's changed it, but it's helped me feel it more. If that hmm. makes sense yeah. to, to, to think about and consider um, what my two children's uh, life was like before and what it might've been, had we not been there and then, and then what it's like now. And, and then you just draw those lines to um, what it was like before I knew the Lord, where my life was headed and what it's like now that I've been adopted um, in and through Christ by his blood into the family of God. Um, it's, it's incredible to, to draw that And the scripture themselves call us adopted into the family there. Um, so 
it's great. It's wonderful. I, I can't, <laughs> you know, all these things are connected rule. Yeah. Um, and I can't encourage people to be, to know, see this worldview, this Christian biblical worldview, and then begin to live it. And, and by living it, you experience it. It's uh, all the, all the pieces match up. The great thing is, is that you, you refer to your three children, not as, well, here's, here's my first child. And these are my two adopted children. You refer to them as my children. And it's the same thing for us as Christians. We're not, yes, in one way, we're adopted children of God, but in reality, we are children, plain and simple of God through the blood and blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is your message for the body of Christ today, for the people who are listening to this podcast, what do you want them to know and hear today? Um, well, I, I always, of course, the, the gospel message, you know, that, um, and I would say, because this is true for me, um, I don't, I don't, I was not a born again Christian until maybe eight or so years ago. In fact, I, I, I I'm looking back on it now, I'm fairly convinced I was a, uh, a, a minister, but I was not yet a born again Christian. It was the word of God that really changed that for me, my perspective on the word, on being able to look at it and say, not this is teaching me about God, but this is God's word for me, convicted me of my sin and, and assured me of my salvation. Um, and so I would say, even if you're a Christian listening to this, to examine your own heart on your relationship to God and his word um, and and come to ter- come to terms with the reality of your sin and the reality of the redemption that's offered to you in Christ. Um, and so, uh, and, and then just to, in general, my general advice to anyone listening, it's good advice is, is just to read your Bible. The, that worldview is so, so important. There's probably nothing better that you can do with your life than draw near to the Lord through his word. Amen. Amen. John Flug has the heart of a pastor and doing some great things at Windermere Presbyterian Church here in North Carolina. John, uh, blessings on your ministry. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Rule. Windermere Presbyterian Church broadcasts their worship service every Sunday. The link to their YouTube account, as well as their Facebook account, is in the show notes. We would also appreciate your help in keeping the pastor's voice going please use the support the show link to donate any amount to help us cover our expenses. If you have any questions about our podcast, would like to be a guest, or would like to become a sponsor, please email us at podcasts at thepastorsvoice.net. I am Rule Sample. Thank you for listening.